The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Powell. 2018 can feel quite progressive and doing pretty well if you're in the right bubble. But in many ways, oh boy, there's still a lot of work to do. Like with tampons and pads. Half the population needs them, yet they are mainly made with synthetic and potentially harmful materials and have attached to them in some places luxury taxes and in many places a stigma around them. Which is where the Organic Initiative comes in, to provide an organic alternative and foster the movement to recognise safety and health around periods. It's a radically sustainable and progressive company, co-founded by today's guest just a few short years ago. Helen Robinson is a wildly accomplished founder of a startup, having been CEO at Microsoft New Zealand in some of its most dominant days, a board member of nationally and globally significant bodies like ATEED, and a winner of the Supreme Award at the Woman of Influence Awards. To talk the journey and the mission, Helen joins us by Skype from America, where she is with Oi. G'day, thank you for joining us. Hi Simon, it's good to be here. Hey, so um, let's let's start with the early career. You started a tech company really young, and then mm-hmm. in quite a short time was CEO at Microsoft at a time where, you know, in today's landscape, it might be hard to really understand for some people just how dominant and concentrated the influence was in the big names like Microsoft. Tell tell mm-hmm. me about tell me about that journey. What did you learn from starting things? Uh, I guess I've always been involved in, in startups and wild and um, fabulous ideas, if you like. Uh, so really from a business standpoint, as opposed from a technology perspective, I've kind of fell into the tech sector. I ended up uh, looking, well, the equivalent of what's today a CIO. So was the DP manager at a very young age for a, um, a group of companies and loved technology and not not as i say not from a technology you know from a technical perspective but very much from a technology application you know what does this do for us in the way in which we live way in which we work and and i have to say you know they're pretty fabulous days in the tech sector you know the 80s and 90s um, early 2000s where you know there weren't huge numbers of players but there were huge players and and they really did dominate the market and i think um uh it taught me anyone can do anything at a, at a scale level and, you know, you can still be a small company but still do have enormous reach, you know, miles out. 
and uh, and you know vision like what you know Bill Gates had. Uh, really, you know, PC on every desk. You know, it's a wild vision, and probably everybody thought that that was just ridiculous. But you know, anybody, anybody really can do and make uh, enormous change. You know, you've just got to uh, figure out how to do it. You know, more than anything, and I guess have a bit of guts and courage to make it happen. What was your journey into Microsoft? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so DP manager, if you like, um, ran a company called Paxis Services, uh, which was a the largest HP IBM reseller um, through the eighties. Had a company myself in computer services and in print software. Actually, for a few years, went on to be the country manager in New Zealand for an Australian software company called Masterpack at the time, uh, and fell into then, um, or they bought on CRM software, which was completely unknown at that time. And I loved that. I loved the fact that you could have instantly responsive type software or solutions to customer needs. And and um, really, I'd like to think, um, you know, I was pretty instrumental at that time. I ran this company called Pivotal, which is a Canadian software company for Asia Pacific. And unknown to me earlier on, we actually did, best worldwide our region did and uh and we really i think changed the landscape when it came to crm software so that was um incredible from a fun standpoint it was a huge amount of fun uh but also from a game-changing um perspective in software but also in business and the way in which businesses could integrate uh not just as you called it you know boring old kind of accounting kind of um stuff but, but more uh, entrepreneurial, more um, customer-centric type type solutions, and then you know I think I had a bit of a reputation for being able to grow companies and in the market, and uh, and came on into Microsoft when it had some challenges um, certainly, and we um, and we had we had uh, a great time you know really figuring out you know with a ninety eight percent Windows market domination you know how do you grow how do you grow the country. Uh, so, um, in terms of, of revenue and performance and also in terms of customer satisfaction. So one of the key things for me is you've got to look after your customer. You know, in every business, and it doesn't matter who you talk to who's worked with me, whether it be on a board or inside an organisation, they'll all tell you that I have to have what I call a love the customer strategy. And, you know, I, I remember a time at Microsoft when, uh, you know, we um, had a letter from this older gentleman and um, and actually the, the tone of the letter and everything, I picked up the phone and I rang him and he just couldn't believe it, you know, and I just think, you know, it's that kind of thing that makes a difference. Uh, so did that for a couple of years and then went on to work with um, Mark Franklin and um, a, girl, a lady called Joanna Silver on behalf of the Stock Exchange to set up a company uh, which was, well, that was to set up a uh, um, an exchange in carbon trading when the emissions trading scheme first came out in New Zealand, uh, right in the early days of understanding of climate change. And at that time, I was on the board of NIWA. And uh, and that was, um, again, that was lots of fun, really business orientated, really do good at mass scale. Um, you know, we made it, I know we made a big difference out into the communities and some of the, um, the poorer regions, particularly around Brazil, and uh, and also started to stimulate some conversation about how we could use a what I'd call a carrot approach as opposed to a stick approach when it comes to 
environmentally from a sustainability standpoint, but uh, financial incentives for doing the right thing. And that, unfortunately, in business often is what stimulates, you know, their change, you know, to doing um, to doing something that potentially they may not have otherwise thought of doing. And, and so that kind of idea of um, build, building things with impact and getting into mm-hmm. governance. So coming out of um, out of Microsoft, huge huge CEO role, and out of the um, the, the emissions trading uh, kind of uh, register kind of idea, um, mm-hmm. re- really managing big things at scale, and then into governance. Um, t- tell me about mm-hmm. some of those board roles uh, across things like ATED and around um, the the rollout of technology. Uh, to schools and mm-hmm. and and some of you know the interesting parts of those projects. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so why don't we start with Network for Learning or NFRL? Uh, so a crown company incorporated by the government in July 2012, and I came on as the um, inaugural chair for the for that organisation, and uh, and we had an amazing board, and and I think. It's interesting, actually, the more you're in business and the more you're around, I think, the more you know you don't know and the more you've got to learn. And it was actually at the time um, when, and the name completely escapes me, the payroll software challenges at um, in education. And one of the key things that we felt around the board table was um, – you know, we were we were we were not going to be an IT project that was going to fail. We were going to be an IT project that really was going to stand stand out. And interestingly enough, it never actually got a huge amount of of um, airtime from a media standpoint. And I guess that's because it was successful. Mm-hmm. So we rolled out to uh, you know to every school in New Zealand a year ahead of plan, um, two hundred and eleven million dollars under budget. The goal of that organisation really was to start the ball rolling in every school and transform every school in, in New Zealand to be technology-based, uh, which is no mean feat. And it also leveraged the investment the government had made in ultra-fast broadband. So basically what you've got now is every, you know, 2,532 schools or thereabouts have, have a high-speed commercial-grade internet connection that's managed, which means that it's safe for the kids. So, uh, we blocked, um, you know, on average, 85 million viruses a month. Process about 1.4 petabytes of data. Um, block about 34,000 um, ransomware uh, hits every month. You know, so this is this is. It sounds, you know, it sounds a bit detailed and it sounds a bit um, a bit crazy. But but actually, keeping the kids safe from a cybersecurity standpoint is is very important. And uh, and also, but also giving uh, kids the ability to learn and grow and leverage technology because that's after all what the world is about, and most of them know that, you know, and then some, uh, you know. So how do we integrate that whole schooling system, the whole education system, into um, into uh, sorry the technology into the schooling system? And I think that um, Enfrel has really has really done that. So we did have a love the customer strategy as well, and that really helped. You know, I think I think that, um, and this is Helen's opinion, not necessarily the board's opinion, uh, but I think actually the schools really appreciated the fact that uh, there was someone to talk to. That we actually, uh, it was really it was really important from my perspective that every school was visited. And everybody looked at us and said we were crazy because why would we go and visit every school to roll this out? But it actually, I think that's what made us successful or helped make us successful. You know, every every um, 
um, school was in, was able to talk with different, uh, you know, with, with somebody about face-to-face. So even though it was a tech business, it had very much a human face on it. And I think that's really important in technology. You know, it's all very well to have great great tech and great software and great hardware or whatever and, you know, um, um, manage cybersecurity and do, you know, everything that you need to do. Um, but I think actually having having the human factor being integrated is, is really critical. So it's a little bit on, on um, network learning. On ATED, ATED's an incredible incredible organization so um i'd like to say it's the it's a it's a tiny um cco uh but it's really the um the jowl of um of of auckland and the way in which we develop and grow and i know that there's been some criticism about for example the the growth of auckland from a population standpoint but you know i think you know really it you know New Zealanders and Aucklanders have to figure out whether we really want to have a um, um, a growing, thriving, uh, economic, performing society, or we don't. You know, we kind of, as Kiwis, you know, want our cake and, and eat it too. Um, and I think what um, what AT's done phenomenally well is um, is with a with a small amount of funding is really leverage uh, foreign investment, leverage um, and integrate, you know, international organisations coming into the um, city, uh, really focus on talent and skills in the country and how do we really help drive that through. And I'm delighted to see so many different activities, you know, in the um, in the city today where uh, all these different organisations are contributing because it's it's not a it's not a one one man, you know, one organisation type type of band or you know you've got to have everybody working together so so doing that and then obviously leveraging events as well because um events does so many great things for us for a city as i think we all know and um whether it be a sporting event or a cultural event because one from an internal auckland standpoint you know from a, a citizen standpoint but also from a a reputational perspective and one of the things you know and and woe betide anyone who talks about brand but actually the identity of of Auckland and what we stand for um, is critical for us it's critical for us as we are now but also critical in the way in which we communicate out into the um, into the uh, into the world based on what it is that that you know Auckland and Aucklanders want you know do we want a same old same old do we want our um, you know, our batch and BMW, as everyone says, or do we just want, to, or or do we really want to stimulate growth and and stand out and and have a great um, reputation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your your brand is what you do. So if we want to be known for interesting things, we have to have a whole bunch of interesting things happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and having come from um, you, you know these 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 large roles, uh, you, you know worked very hard to get to the top of some big organisations, and then being able to as a chair and as a board member um, contribute to you know very significant projects. What dragged you back in to a startup, and especially one um, with with a point to prove? And 
it seems mm-hmm. remarkable to me that in 2018, there's still, um, you know, the stigma to battle around pads and tampons, mm-hmm. and also the 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 dangerous, potentially dangerous materials, <laughs> the the luxury mm-hmm. taxes, yeah. you know, to, to come back back into um, a, a struggle, a movement after having been in such a um, position of influence. Okay, so does at scale does good. You know, two two most important things, and also the bigger the better, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if we can if we can drive the biggest change uh, that we possibly can and have the biggest impact, then that's what excites me. You know, that's what stimulates me and, and gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, the fact that there's still this uh, this um, general um, stigma around the fact that women get periods is crazy. You know, we we talk quite openly, and it's really interesting being here in the US too, you know, you talk about guns and sex and drugs and things, but don't talk about periods. Half the population for half our lives get a period fact. You know, it's a gift for us because that's what means that we can actually have, have babies, uh, and yet we don't talk about it, um, which is completely ridiculous. So, so yes, you know, we certainly have an opportunity to change that and make it normal and make it fun and actually, you know, it's actually okay. We do talk about breast cancer and safe sex and everything else. Why don't we? Why don't we talk about? Um, why don't we talk about periods as well? So, so absolutely on that front, really interesting in terms of governments around the world, you know, taking taxes away. Um, you know, I think the jury's out, you know, in, in most places, you know, where do you start, where do you stop, you know, fruit, vegetables, you know, what's important. I think what is important, of course, though, is that uh, that every woman deserves to have access to, um, to, good, to good product. And you're absolutely right, 99% still of the market uh, worldwide in feminine hygiene is made of plastic. And, and we have at OI, um, so we call ourselves OI, um, which is OI, attracts attention. And their organic initiative is, is the answer. It's the solution. So that's how the kind of the brand strategy, if you like, uh, works. And uh, so our, our view is that every woman deserves um, a healthy product. You know, we do want to help um, when it comes to taking period poverty away and we work with um, some great organisations um, to help make that happen. So there's a, a great um, uh, organisation, Wellington, run by two young women called Dignity, which provides product into corporates and the profits go to um, support girls who can't go to um, who don't go to school because they don't have access to product. Um, kids can do a huge amount of wonderful work, and so we work with them as well in the provision uh of, of product and then doing a similar kind of thing over here um, in, in the US as well. So I think supporting that, um, um, you know, is it, really important. But equally important is that most, uh, actually growing number, I was going to say most women don't know or most people don't know, but actually a growing number of people do know now that uh, feminine hygiene products, uh, conventional products are made from plastic-based materials, uh, you know, full of toxins and chemicals, um, arguably, you know, minimal amount, but we use these products for 35, 40 years and we use them for a long time and we use them in the hottest part of our bodies. You know, we don't put plastic in our microwave, but we, you know, we put plastic in, in our um, in our hottest parts of our bodies. So so our, um, our mission is to take plastic out of um, hygiene products, starting with feminine hygiene, 
Uh, we launched in New Zealand exactly three years ago. We're in pretty much every store in the country, pack and save New World, um, uh, just gone into the warehouse, uh, um, a huge number of four squares, some great organic shops, Common Sense Organics, and and um, you know a whole a whole range of, of different stores. So that's pretty pretty exciting, and uh, and we're on we're on a mission, and we're on in growth. What well, what stage are you at now with international expansion, and is the opportunity? Um, you, you, you know, you know, with ninety nine percent of the market uh, with, with the synthetic products, you know, is is there this enormous opportunity to globally scale the product? Of course, <laughs> you know, um, half the population, half our lives. So, uh, in in the US, um, for example, the the market here is two point seven billion dollars. Uh, about sixty five percent of that is um, one one company has market share of that. Uh, there are a there is a growing awareness of um, of the need to think uh, more healthily, healthy for us, but also healthy from a from a world standpoint. Uh, and we unashamedly um, support and and get on the um, the same wagon as all these. Let's remove plastic. So we say let's take plastic out of um, out of supermarkets. You know, from a bag standpoint, etc. Let's take plastic out of straws. Um, what about plastic in our bodies? And so we really are on a um, on a journey to help help make that happen. So in in terms of our international expansion. Um, I've pretty much moved to the US um, and uh, and setting up the business here. Uh, it's growing very quickly, and uh, we're really excited about um, about the stage the stage that we're at. Uh, and and then you know softly softly if you like into Asia, um, and then we've got um, a little bit going on in other parts of the world as well. So so uh, New Zealand start. Very, done very well. Um, we're the fastest growing um, leading fem hygiene um, product. We really are hitting up against the um, the major players now, which is is um, fantastic. You know, if you read the AC Nielsen reports, um, you know you, you will you will see that it's public information. Um, so uh, so that's um, pretty exciting for us. You know, a small company, we've only been around for a handful of years. And, and radically transparent at every, at every part as well. So from not have, using bioplastic instead of plastic for places that you need wraps mm-hmm. through to the mm-hmm. organic uh, product. And tell us a little bit about that, because that, that also that, that means there's no pesticides in the cotton as, as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but also mm-hmm. that the, the lives of the farmers are probably better mm-hmm. as cotton is is um, actually a very problematic crop. Mm-hmm, for sure. So all of our products are um, all of our all of our products um, all of our products are, if you can see, one hundred percent organic cotton, um, and and they're made um, to be both biodegradable and uh, and and healthy from a from a female standpoint. Um, we can trace based on you know the lot numbers on the box. We can trace all the way back to the cotton farm, the bale. Um, uh, so you know, complete transparency uh, on that on that front. You know, all the um, all the ink on the boxes they are it's vegetable ink. Um, so you know, we've really tried to be very um, every, in every which way we can. And and you know, I think I think it's important to know that. Um, that when when you have a business like ours, you know, 
do we bring out other products? So we brought out a menstrual cup, for example. Now, it's made of medical-grade TPE. It's not biodegradable. And, you know, around the board table, we debate, you know, high and low, you know, should we be doing this or shouldn't we be doing this? So what do we do? We we found the best possible material we could. It's recyclable. Um, we, uh, we know that we are removing plastic pads and tampons out of the market by people, by women using these, and they use those typically for years. And um, and so we did bring out you know this um, this product which is um, which is a menstrual cup, um, reusable, recyclable, um, used for years. Don't need don't need tampons, pads. Um, and and again, we wondered whether we had a uh, you know whether we were going to jeopardise our core brand, which is you know organic cotton, tampons, pads, liners. Uh, but actually, the opposite's true. And I think that that. Organic initiative is about um, doing the best we possibly can with everything that we possibly can do, and we'll continue to do that. You know, as we as we um, roll out, you know, our product roadmap, and you know, where we're at is just is just the beginning. Uh, you know, literally both product wise, um, client wise, customer wise, and market wise. It, it seems you know remarkable that there is. The opportunity there, but it must be wonderful. You know, how does it feel to be able to, to to have that massive wave ahead of you? Oh, it's 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 so exciting! Like um, uh, the the opportunities are endless, and and you know, it's. I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but it's a little bit like a game, right? Business is like a game, so you have this big, huge um, world, and you have. Uh, um, any number of things that you could possibly do, and and so where do you put your time and effort and focus, and and what is the potential? So how do you then figure that out? Uh, where's your biggest bang for buck? You know, how do you penetrate the market in the fastest possible way? How do you do good at, at mass scale? How do you how do you tap into the mindset? You know, and fem hygiene, for example, feminine hygiene, for example, it's a really really loyal category. You know, women run into the in, in New Zealand, they buy mostly in supermarkets. Here, it's in drugstores and in mass mass market, um, um, Walmart, Target, etc. Uh, they run in and they grab what they've always grabbed. You know, something they trust, something their mothers used. You know, how do you how do you then have this um, market conversion? So that then becomes you know this um, this brand and, and marketing um, um, challenge. You know how do how do you do that and do it really um, effectively and how do you do that fast? So it's um it's really it's really uh it's really exciting um and and you know I think that well I'd like to think Oi will be a, a an organisation that you know people should should sit up and ta- take note but I think it's a choice you know we all have a choice in terms of what we do what we use and. Um, and if we can help impact that choice and and do good, you know, do good for the world and do good for people, then then that's um that's really um um that's really really incredible. Um, I have to go in a sec. Yes. <laughs> so I finish just with one one little story that um so I met I met one of the buyers of one of the biggest um uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but one of the biggest uh, chain stores um here in the US, and um and then I. Subsequently met her, followed up with her, and I met her at a show, and we had a twenty-minute one-on-one meeting. and And I went and met her in her offices. Walked into her office, and she said, "I'm so excited." And I went, 
oh, it's fantastic, you know, that's really great. And and I said, you know, basically tell me more. And she said, you know, every time I go to these shows and, and um, I have to come back and think about how I justify my um, my attendance because it's time and it's cost, you know, et cetera. And she said, but this time I came back and when my boss said to me, how was the show? I said to him, I found the innovation in feminine hygiene. And that's what she said. So that's um, that's pretty cool. Kiwi company, you know, it's fun. Ah, that's so exciting. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. Helen Robinson of OI, the Organic Initiative, uh, available everywhere in New Zealand and soon everywhere around the world. Thanks so much, Simon. Okay. Take care. Thanks for sharing your story. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cool. So uh, thank you very much also to Tina Tiller for producing. And uh, yeah, apologies for the sound quality changes there on a line from America. And thank you for having us on. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.